The scripture says it is God the Father that loved you. It is God the Father that sent his son because he loved you. It is God the Father that watched his son down the cross and it hurt the Father because he loved you. It is God the Father who resurrected his son from the grave so that you could have life because he loved you. It is God the Father who sent the Holy Spirit that would draw you to his son so that you could know the love of the Father. And because it's the love of the Father, it never, ever ends. It is as eternal as God is eternal, and it never changes. And it doesn't really matter at this point if you're sitting here and you haven't accepted him as your personal Savior or not, or if you have, he still loves you the same. If you have accepted him as your personal Savior and began that relationship with him, he's tickled and loves you to death. If you haven't, his desire for you is that you would accept his gift of his son into your life and begin a relationship with him so that you can know how much he really loves you. His love never fails. That was a great, great song. And the reason that we know that is because the Bible tells us so. One of the most profound hymns in in the hymn book is that one. So anyway, that had nothing to do with a sermon for today or anything like that, but I just thought I'd I would like to just share that with you. Okay? Y'all all good with that? Okay, this is what is called an ice cream maker. Right here. This is an ice cream maker. My mother-in-law gave me this pink ice cream maker about 15 years ago. Um, and we have, we have used it several times. Um, it has never really made ice cream for us. We, we have tried probably no less than 12 to 15 different recipes for ice cream. And this ice cream maker has yet to freeze the ice cream correctly or make it correctly. And at some level, we think that it's the ice cream maker's fault and not our inability to mix ingredients. So right now, what I want you to do is I want you to just kind of shout out to me um, your favorite homemade ice cream flavor. Go ahead and do that. Okay, strawberry, peach, vanilla, we, we have, have people doing that. Um, we, we have only been trying to make vanilla. We, we're not even outside of the natural vanilla thing. The, the first time that we tried to make vanilla, it turned into whipped cream, like whipped cream, cool whip. Did you know that cool whip, you could test this, is the same temperature outside of the refrigerator as it is in the refrigerator as it is in your freezer? You should test that out. It really is, at least our whipped cream. Anyway, this whipped cream, right, it just makes whipped cream. The next couple of times, we're not really sure what we made, but it wasn't ice cream. Um, all the way up to fast forward to just two days ago, I think it was Friday, we, we tried this new recipe just to see if we could do it again because we've been trying it ever since Aurora's been home. This will be our third try, our third attempt since she's been home. And um, it didn't even freeze at all. It was just a liquid paste. And so what we did, we poured it into a container and stuck it into our freezer just to see if it would do something. Maybe a miraculous work of God would occur and we would bring out ice cream in that regard. But no, even in the freezer, it froze eventually. But um, it, it wasn't really ice cream. And you know, we're at the point now where even my daughter does this, um, where Every time we make it, because we put so much effort in trying to figure out how to do this and do it correctly, 
that even when we have something that's a failure, we're like, that, that, that tastes good. You know, because we want to believe that we have done, you know, we, it is, and, and now we're to the point where we're like, well, you know, it tastes better than the last time, right? Um, just a couple of days ago, my daughter, who's Aurora, she says, uh, Dad, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. We have an ice cream social at church. There's 13 different people that come with their homemade ice cream. Different flavors, different er everything. It's perfect ice cream, but yet we cannot make homemade ice cream. We cannot make homemade ice cream. It's, it's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. The last one, I think the mistake we made, because we always come up with these, is that we put too much sugar in it, and therefore it didn't freeze. Um, so this ice cream maker, in order for that to freeze, ran for three and a half hours. It ran so long that the top got hot. It, it was, and yeah, okay, ice cream. So yeah, there you go, ice cream. So hold on to that, that little thought. Um, you are sitting here today and you are at different places in your life. We just saw six graduates, and there's actually eight in the church, um, graduates in our church. Um, but you saw six of our graduates, and they have their whole life in front of them, and they can basically be anything they want to be. They can go down any career path they want to go down, pursue that career path, and with God's help, they can achieve that particular goal. They can become who they want to be. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, means that that was a very good point, and the light just came on, right? That's, that's what that means. So you need to write that one down, okay? So they are basically able to write the description of your life from this point on. And whether they are intentional about doing that or not, they are going to write who they are going to be in the future, and they're going to write a description of that. You may be sitting here, and you're older, okay? You're older. You, you could be in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, and today is a day that you are older. You too have the ability to write your story from this day forward. Some of us have, have written our story longer than other ones, other people in this room. Some people have put more ingre different ingredients in their story than I've put in mine and so forth and so on. But you have an opportunity to today to leave here and do something great for God and to write a story that's very positive. I am not saying that there's people in this room that hasn't written something positive. You may have been positive all the way up until this point. And you're, you're, you're trying to grab a hold of that thing and you're trying to do something positive for God and Jesus on, in the future. You're trying to do that. But I do know that there, there are some of us in the room that may feel like that we failed in this particular area and, and we have allowed that failure to identify us. But you don't have to do that. You're a child of God. You can write a different chapter in your book. You can do something different and be something good um, for the community, for Jesus, to shine for him. You can do it. So whereas this sermon is geared toward graduates and where they're going, this is also a sermon for us all. So as you listen to it, I want you to think through where you are in your life and what story you can write from this day forward. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. The title, of course, this morning is your title here. And your description here is the tagline for the sermon this morning. So Matthew chapter 
25 is where we are. Matthew chapter 25, we'll begin reading in verse 14 this morning. 14. This is what God's word says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, last night, um, my wife and I, we celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary, and we went to one of my favorite restaurants. It's Firebirds. Um, and I say it's mine because I'm never really sure what Nicole's favorite restaurant is. She has never really told me. She just kind of goes along. Probably the reason for that is I'm the one that's a picky eater, and she's not. So we went to Firebirds. We went early. And um, I, I ordered this, um, this, full, this blue cheese filet that's wrapped in bacon. Yes, yes. I have a witness right here. And, and it's medium. And I ordered this baked potato, baked potato with it. And every bite of that gorgeous filet was absolutely incredible. I felt like it was the chef's gift to me. Right? And I thought, 
you know, I've got to eat this whole thing because I don't want to hurt his feelings. It, regardless of if I'm paying a bunch of money for it, it doesn't matter. It's his gift to me, so I ate it, and it is absolutely incredible. That chef in the kitchen, whoever that is, and I don't know who it is, I looked, I watched him, I'm not sure who kicked, had a gift, had a talent that he used to cook that piece of meat and give it to me for my enjoyment. My wife, on the other hand, she decided to get soup. She likes this um, tortilla soup that they have there, and that's all she ate, so I'm sure that that was not as good as my filet, but she enjoyed it nonetheless. At the end of the meal, I'm getting to this part, she loves desserts. And there's two desserts at Firebirds that she absolutely loves. One of them is there's this brownie that they put chocolate on top of. Like, well, it's actually ice cream on top of and then chocolate. And then they dazzle it with, um, what is that brown stuff? Caramel, caramel stuff on top of it. And it absolutely melts in your mouth. That is also the chef's gift to us. Oh, it was just so good. And so there's individuals in that restaurant that definitely know what their giftedness is, and they're definitely doing it with, with the best of their ability. And you, you can actually taste it at that restaurant. This leads me to my first point, okay? Don't waste your gifts and talents. Don't waste your gifts and talents. I have been to several restaurants where the chef in the back is wasting his gifts and his talents, and maybe he doesn't even have one, and maybe he's not even doing what he's supposed to be doing, but he's wasting it. Don't waste your gifts and talents. Look at verse 20 of, the, of this passage. It says this. I mean, verse 24, sorry. He also, who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master was upset with him at that point. Here's a guy that was given one talent by the master. He was supposed to be a steward of that talent. And what he did was he did nothing with it. He hid it away. He did absolutely nothing with it. And he wasted the talent that the master gave to him. He wasted it. He hid it. He buried it. He did not use it. You and I need to make sure we are using the talents and the gifts that God has given us. As I look around this room, there are a bunch of talented people. A bunch of talented people. You are talented in different ways. Some of you can build things, and I'm absolutely amazed with that. Some of you can work a computer. I'm absolutely amazed with that. Some of you can play music. I'm absolutely amazed with that. Some of you can teach people in school every single day, except for the summer. Yeah, right. And I'm amazed by that. The reason I'm amazed by that is I don't, I don't know how teachers do it, really. They, they have to teach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They have to plan those lessons, and they have to teach them in such a way that the kids obtain that information within their mind. They speak every single day. It takes me a year to make up a speech for you. It, it takes me a long time to try to figure out what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it so I can get it across. It takes me a long period of time. There are teachers in this room that have, have a gift so to teach students, and it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Everyone in this room 
has a talent. Everybody in this room has a gift. Do not waste your gift. Do not waste your talent. Do not waste it. If you are hiding your talent, if you are not using your talent, you are wasting your talent. This steward here had a brilliant excuse for why he wasn't using his talent. Brilliant excuse. And it sounds really good, especially in our culture. It sounds very good. And this is what he, this is what he says. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground because I wanted to preserve it for you. My son, it was when he was younger, was brilliant at this. He would, he would be in the kitchen eating a cookie that he was not supposed to eat. His mother would catch him eating said cookie, and his response to her would be this, but mom, I'm eating this cookie for you. Right? So what he's saying is, I hid this because of you. I hid this talent. I know you gave it to me, but I hid it. I did nothing with it because I wanted to give you that talent back. Our master who is in heaven has given you gifts and abilities, and he does not want you to hide them away and not use them. He wants you to use them for the glory of his name, for the glory of his son, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants you to do. Do not waste your talent do not waste it at all so second do not bury the gifts no do not bury the belief that you have in god do not bury the belief that you have in god well what kind of gift do i have that i would bury in god well if you're you're one of the eight graduates of of our church I mentioned up here that I know at least your salvation story. I know that um, for by grace you are saved by faith. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. I know that from scripture, right? Shake your head, church, right? You know that. That is a precious, precious gift that you should not bury. You, you are going to go to college. You're going to go to college, and you're going to hear a lot of things from a lot of people. You're going to hear a lot of things from professors. You're going to hear a lot of things from your, your, the people that you go to school with, your friends, your new friends that you make, the people that live in your dorm or the people that you interact with in your classes. You're going to hear a lot of things in college. Do not bury your belief in God. Do not bury your salvation. Do not bury who you are in Christ. You're going to hear people say stuff that is against Scripture. You're going to hear things that is different than, than what you've been taught here at this church. You're going, to, you're going to hear something different. You're going to hear something different than what your parents have taught you about God and about faith and about, about um, different things like that. You are going to hear different things. I encourage you to be careful when a person says, but you need to expand your mind. You need to be careful with that. 
You need to think outside of your religion, outside of the Bible, outside of Christ, outside of what you have been taught that you should put your faith in. You should think outside of that. You need to be careful with those people. Here's why. That is the same play from the same playbook that happened way back from the beginning. Satan's number one thing that he tempts you with is more knowledge. You can have more knowledge if you listen to me. You can know more about good and evil if you listen to me. You can have a better understanding of things if you listen to me. Do not believe that lie. Do not bury your faith, listen to that, and then attach yourself to some other belief system that is different than the word of God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, For God knows... That when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you know who said that? Satan did in the garden. And Eve thought, man, God has told us we could eat of anything in this garden, but this one tree, and that's just kind of odd. Why can't I eat of that tree? What's so wrong with not eating of that tree? What's so wrong with not doing that particular thing? What's so wrong with believing differently than the Bible? And she ate of it, and immediately they found out what was so wrong with it. That started the whole story of the fall of mankind and us living in sin. It started the whole story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising the third day for our salvation. That's what started it. So don't bury your belief in God. Do not do it. Um, right and wrong is an, a, an amazing topic, isn't it? What's right and what's, what's wrong. When someone says something is right and something is wrong, they are basically making a moral statement. They're making a moral statement. When I tell you what is right and wrong, I have a solid center I'm coming from. See, I don't make up stuff like you should not have sex before you're married. I don't make that up. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I don't make it up. I just proclaim it. I don't make up stuff like you should not get drunk. It's in the Bible. It says do not be drunk. When I say you should be filled with the Spirit, I don't make that up. It's not Philip Rand thinking, oh, man, good night. What in the world can I say to them today that they really need to know? And then I come up with something, and then I share it with you. It's, it's, that's not what, what is happening up here. What is happening up here is there is a word of God, and that is a solid center of morality. And I just proclaim what's in the book. This book right here does not move. If marriage was defined this way, Back then, it's defined this way today. Are you tracking with me? If, if it's wrong to do lying back then, it's wrong to lie today. If it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to steal. If it's wrong to hang with people that are leading you down a wrong path, it's wrong to do that. It's because the book says it. What happens, though, is sometimes we begin to listen to people that do not have the Bible at, as their moral center. They they have a different type of morality. And so what happens is they tell you what's right and what's wrong. The problem with that is their moral center always shifts. 
it's never the same. So 10 years from now, what they're telling you is right and wrong will be different. Because what they're telling you today is right and wrong, but as society moves and evolves, so to speak, there's a different morality here, and this morality changes over a period of time. And you have to be careful with all that. So you, you, may, you may see it on TV. You may see it in some, some type of um, show. You, you, you might see it different places. But be careful listening to voices that are telling you something is right because society says so. Right? Be careful with those people because what's truly right and wrong is based on the Bible, which is based on a holy God who created all of us anyway. And he has the right to tell us what we can do and what we can't do. Everybody with me? So be careful with all of that. Don't bury your belief system. Don't bury it. Next, don't bury your uniqueness to conform to society. Don't bury your uniqueness. Don't bury your uniqueness. The Bible teaches that each one of us is created in the image of God. Yes, we are. The Bible also teaches that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I am different than you are. And you are different than I am. In fact, there's not a single person that isn't different than the person that's sitting beside them in this room. There are similarities, right? There are similarities. Like a lot of you believe that I look exactly like my son or he looks exactly like me because I don't know if you know this or not, I came before him. So he would have to look like, does that, does that make sense? So yeah, have to be careful how you say some of that stuff. But he is a unique individual. He is not 100% like me. He is unique. We don't bury our uniqueness to conform to society. The, the two people, there's a, lot of there's a lot of pressure to conform. There's a lot of pressure to conform. A lot of it. You need to live this way in order to be accepted. So you go in that direction. Do not bury your uniqueness. I was waiting for the dog to come up because anytime you're preaching and you put a dog up on the screen, it's always a good moment, right? Always a good moment. I don't like dogs, but it's still a good moment when you put a dog up on the screen, right? So there's a dog burying himself. You need to be unique. C.J. Walton, Wal Walden, sorry, it should have been Walden. That's that's an old TV show way in the past where there was a big house. Yeah, the Waldens. Yeah, CJ right here plays the trumpet. He swims uh, very successfully, and he has an amazing life in front of him. I I could go through each one of the gra graduates and do the same thing. Even you, Caitlin Walker, which the last two weeks I have seen you smile more than I have in a very long time, and I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud that God's working in your life that way. Keep that up. So, so there, there is just a ton of things happening. There's a ton of uniqueness in each one of us. I understand the pressures 
of conformity. Maybe in a different way than you do, but it's all the same pressure. I went to Piedmont Bible College back when it was a Bible college, not a Baptist college or an international university. I went, I went there. From the time I got, I, I stepped foot on that campus, I, was, I knew I was different. I really didn't know I was different in high school. I, I really didn't know I was different, but, but I knew I was different when I stepped on Piedmont Baptist Bible College's campus. The first time that um, a group of us Christians, you know, went out, um, we went to Stratford Road, and back in those days, you would cruise Stratford Road. I don't, I don't know if y'all remember that. You can't cruise it now because uh, probably some politician just decided to cut out all the fun in America. So, so, so you used to, you used to be able to to cruise down the road. So, so we went to Putt Putt and we got on Stratford and we were going to Pizza Hut just down the road. There was a Pizza Hut down the road on the right. So I'm in an, in a car with the with a bunch of Christians and um, I roll down my window. I'm a nerd, but I know how to cruise, right? You just kind of, you know, you stop, you do that. My roommate, and Bill Kaup's fine with me saying this, Bill Kaup was driving the car. He turned around and looked at me and said, roll up the window, quick. I went, okay, because that's what you had to do, you know, <laughs> back then, you know, had to do that. I said, good, I got I got it, I got it, I got it rolled up. He said, are you trying to get a shot? I don't think I'd ever seen a gun cruising with my wind out. I don't know what he was talking about, but he was from a Christian school, and there was like this, this little thing about don't cruise, you could get shot, you could get hurt, you could get this and that and the other. Oh, my goodness, I knew I was different. I was in a world of Christians. I was a Christian, but I wasn't exactly like them. I took preaching courses, and I, I understood the, the in and outs of, of how to do a sermon this way and that way, and I really tried to conform to that because everybody wanted you to be an expository preacher and have, like, your, your, your topic here and, and then your three points, and, and then, you know, you, you had to have some poems and some illustrations and, and stuff like that, and I really, really tried to conform to that, and I... I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and um, in fact, when I worked at another church, I, there was a pastor that came in that I thought, man, he can really preach. Maybe, maybe I can just emulate what he's doing, and so, so I learned how he was, you know, putting his sermons together, and I tried to start preaching like him, and do you know what? All those sermons always failed. They always failed. Even though I was being told that the only way to preach, the only way to preach is to do it this way, with, with this criteria. And when, and when you get up to speak, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to, you know, have the pulpit. You're supposed to have all this other stuff. But eventually, I had to get to the place where I dug up my uniqueness and pulled it out of the ground. And started to be who God had created me to be. And it's at that point that my preaching changed. Because I was who I am, who I was made to be, 
not who someone was trying to create me to be that was a human. Is everybody tracking with me? Don't bury your uniqueness. As a child of God, if you go to a party that you're not supposed to be at, leave the party. If you're a child of God and you're listening to stuff, a professor says, and he's just giving it to you, giving it to you, giving it to you, don't soak it in. Don't soak it in. Go back to the word of God. If people are telling you how to think a particular way, how to act a particular way, and it's not matching the word of God, it's just the way that they want you to, to act, they want you to be, don't do that. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to be cool. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Be who God has created you to be. He has given you a unique gift or gifts and talents that you need to, with your own personality, share with the world. Don't be something else. Be who God created you to be. So important. So important. I've seen, I've seen people who, who I know love Jesus and and they they really love the Bible. And a couple of years down the road, they've kind of merged in with a different crowd. And in order to be accepted accepted by that crowd, they they've changed. And and in changing, they have buried their uniqueness. Now, they might be able to say, well, I'm unique, I do it this way, I do that way in that particular group. But really what they're doing is they're just conforming to that group and they're becoming somebody that they were not created to be. Jesus Christ did not save your soul so that you can be like Joe or Jane down the street. He saved your soul so that you could have the power to be who he created you to be. Right? Who he created you to be and to conform to the image of his son and his son alone. If there's anybody in this world that you're supposed to conform to, it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ knows that you can't be him, but he knows that you can be exactly who he has created you in the womb to be. Do not bury your uniqueness. Check out these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 through 10 says, There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's the reason we're given gifts and talents. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. Next screen. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is it to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
if I was to sum up those verses, I would tell you this. The unique gift that God has given you, do it. Do it. Gift of mercy, do it. Gift of teaching, do it. Gift of proclaiming, do it. Do it. Do it. And don't worry about what people think. Worry about honoring God and glorifying Jesus and serving the master. Don't bury your uniqueness. Live like God wants you to live. So the last one before I close is this. And this is directly to the, to the graduates. Might be to some of us, but directly to the graduates. Don't bury your parents. Don't bury your parents. Um, I wish that I had listened to my dad once I went off to college. There's some things that he would have saved me from, or he was trying to. But he was respecting my independence, but at the same time giving me giving me wisdom that I thought was stupid. Oh, come on. Come on. I am not the only one. He was giving me wisdom that I thought was stupid. Come on. Let's be real about it. I mean, what does my dad know about life, about all this stuff? He, he hasn't expanded his mind. He hasn't, you know lived he's so old and i'm so young and i have a fresh mind and he has an old mind and blah 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 and i'm independent and i know more than he does and all this kind of garbage i can tell you this my dad t still today takes me to school i'll be talking to him about something and he'll come up with some something about somebody or some particular situation or something that is absolutely brilliant I'd never thought of in my entire life and I, I just sit back and think oh my goodness he is he is 81 years old and still taking me to school do not bury your parents they know what they're talking about even if you think they're crazy they do they know what they're talking about and sometimes dads and moms have a tendency to say something that you're not really sure why they're saying it to you. Have you ever had that happen? My parents still do that to me from time to time. My dad will say something, and he'll just let it hang there, right? And it'll be at Thanksgiving, and I'll be thinking about it to December. And by the time I catch up with him in the next year, I'm like, oh, that's why he told me that particular piece of information, because your parents can see further than you can. They already know the path you're on. And so they're giving you a piece of wisdom here that might not apply right now, but it's going to apply in the future. Do not bury your parents. So, ice cream. It matters what ingredients you use in making ice cream. Even if you're using the right ingredients the wrong way, you're not going to make ice cream. Right? It matters. The ingredients you write your story with. It matters. 
what title you put up, and it matters what description that you write in your own story. It matters what ingredients you create your life with. Make sure it's these ingredients and none other. These ingredients. If you will follow this book right here, it will save you from a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of bad choices, just a lot of things it will save you from if you just follow this book right here. It matters what ingredients you use. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming. And I don't know when that's going to be. And I know a lot about prophecy, and I have my own little thing in my mind how it's all going to flow out, you know. But the one thing that we can all agree on is that Jesus is going to return. If Jesus was to return right now, would you, as a believer, have to go dig up your talent and say, I buried it because I was too afraid to use it? Or would you be able to stand before Jesus today and say, I tried my best with the talent that you gave me. I gave it 100%. In fact, sometimes I, I tried 110%, but every time I seemed to try 110%, I overdid myself, wore myself out, so I had to just stick with 100% and let you take care of the rest of the percentage. I took the talent that you gave me and I used it to the best of my ability. If Jesus was to return right now and you were to face him, would you be able to say, Lord, I gave 100% of everything that you did, gave to me and used it for your honor and glory? Can you say that? If you can't, I encourage you to get out that shovel, dig up those talents that you are burying, that you're not using for him, and make a decision to write your story differently from this day forward. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we...